Fox's new TV series, Gotham. This is Josh. This podcast is a part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hashtag TBU family. Check out the Batman Universe's other great podcasts, including Batgirl the Oracle, featuring Stella, who I believe is here. Hello. And uh, we also have joining us Donovan Morgan Grants. Hello. Hello. Well, diving right into this, um, we're... We're going to be talking about um, the Gotham TV show and its pilot episode, which um, we've all seen. Um, and I want to ask um, the two of you, what were your reactions when you first heard about this show when it was first announced? Uh, what did I originally think when this first came out? So I think Arrow, Arrow, in a similar fashion, we just weren't sure about this because we had Smallville. And certainly there are some seasons and episodes that, you know, are, are real groaners and wondering what, what in the world were they thinking. But overall, I loved Smallville. So anything that was coming after it was going to be pale in comparison. It was that next thing. I think we all were just thinking it's dark. It's basically they're trying to make it into Batman. I don't know about it. And then it turns out to be one of my favorite shows, if not my favorite show on TV right now, because it is just amazing. So now they're announcing Gotham. And I, I'm somewhat coming to the, the same thing because I feel like if I go in with lower expectations, then it can it gives me the freedom to be blown away and to appreciate it more. Because if you come in with high expectations, chances are you're going to be disappointed. And just kind of learning about it, wondering, you know, there's this new character, Fish Mooney, who the devil is shining. And, you know, just before everything and, you know, do I want to know about Jim Gordon? Is this going to be an interesting thing? But the more that things were released, the more it seemed like, hey, this could be a really good show. But hoping that, you know, it's going to fall into just one category. Like, is it going to be a law and order kind of thing? Is it, I mean, because it's it's not going to be small, though. You're not really going to be superheroes and things like that so overall you know i i her expectations but uh, each little bit of information that's coming out is getting more and more interested and i i have hopes for it slightly concerned just with the network itself because they have had shows on have been sold quite recently and hopefully gotham and batman's bring a name but when I first heard this, like, uh, I think my immediate reaction was this is sort of more going along the lines of the success of, like, the Dark Knight movies, the Dark Knight movies, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, in that I remember, I think a lot of audiences took away with Commissioner Gordon as a character, which is good. So I think it was sort of, like, along the lines of, well, they like him. Let's have sort of a, not exactly a spinoff, but sort of along those same ideas. And this is sort of something that I know we've heard about a long time since, like, since well in Smallville's run, like the whole idea of a younger pre-Batman Bruce Wayne, I know Kevin Smith and Paul Dini talked about on Kevin Smith's podcast the idea of of Bruce Wayne as a kid going to school and seeing all the Batman characters de-aged. There was that image; those there was the, the set of images of the Gotham High uh, cartoon, which didn't happen. So this is something that like, that's not exactly like totally unexpected. Like uh, for uh, you know, just generally speaking. Um, it's always, for me, I find myself, as I'm getting older, a lot more protective of characters that I 
that I really enjoy, and Batman is my favorite character. So I kind of went into, I mean, my knee-jerk reaction was, okay, that's interesting, and not really being all that invested. I think the turning point for me in terms of interest was when they cast Donald Logue as Harvey Bullock. I thought that was, wow, that's, that's very, very interesting casting because um, I'm most familiar with him from Blade, but I know that he's had a, a number of uh, performances and others. I think he was on um, some sitcom, I don't remember the, the name of it, but he was also on uh, most recently Law & Order SVU. He kind of did a spa role as a as a police chief. And he's a, he's a, oh, my tongue. He's a very good actor. Um so I thought that he would bring a very interesting quality to the, to the role, and we'll obviously get into that a little bit later. Uh, casting Ben McKenzie as Gordon I thought was good, because I, th- I think Ben McKenzie is most notable, known for the OC, but I know that he himself is a, is a very serious actor. He was on um, Southland, which was a cop show I didn't watch, but I know that he, from the previous I saw, he looked pretty good in it. He uh, most notably voiced Batman in year one, so there's that pedigree with it. And it's basically, it ends up they were kind of throwing the show together. They, they seem to be putting some modicum of effort. So my interest suddenly grew as the cast was announced. And um, I was I was generally interested in seeing it because I heard that like the pilot got good reviews. And um, do I think that I would agree with the uh, reviews? I will see about that later on. My first thought when this was announced was, first of all, does anyone remember what was going on when this was first announced? Life. While life was going on, we had it, you know, paused our existence. This was like um, the day that Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was being premiered. Um, DC was like, oh, we need to steal this Newsday. So it was announced like, you know, Gotham, you know, coming um, next fall. And I remember rolling my eyes thinking like, okay, you know, desperation move. Um, (laughs) Because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was premiering, and everyone was expecting that to do well, and whether it's done well or not, um, I've seen people say, like, this show is the biggest failure that ever failed, and people who are legitimately big fans of it. I was at the panel at Comic-Con, and it got a good response, so um, you'd have to talk to some person who can analyze ratings and everything else more than know if it's a failure or not, and that's not a discussion we're going to get into here. But at the time, you know, there was a lot of high expectations, so for DC to say... I say DC, you know, this is, you know, Warner Brothers and, and Fox, but, you know, it's, it all comes down to being Marvel versus DC. So. Always. I, yeah, I was, I was thinking, you know, okay, this is, you know, their way of trying to, you know, stay relevant and not get swallowed up by this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. news. And honestly, I overlooked a lot of the casting stuff that was coming out of this too, because you hear about so many of these shows that never get off the ground, you know, who can ever forget the Graysons, who never got off the ground until their trapeze fell, whoa. And um, <laughs> that failed Wonder Woman pilot. Oh. So, so it's, and because they tried to do a young Bruce Wayne show before Smallville, I'm kind of in the sense of, you know, I'll believe this when I see it. And as it, the, it was coming close to the premiering, uh, I got a little more excited about it to the point where at Comic-Con when we saw the premiere, I was like full-blown, like, this show's going to be awesome. And I kind of had um, the revelation, you know, as it was getting closer. You know what? In this day and age where we have shows like Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad and Walking Dead, there's no reason why, like, this show cannot be as epic as those. So it's kind of, you know, some high expectations from me that hopefully can um, do them. Any more thoughts before we get into the episode itself? I was kind of surprised that, um, it made me not surprised right word, but I was, I was, um, I didn't think that Fox would be the type of show to pick us up. You know, you're kind of expecting with, with WB, 
it would be like a CW thing, although I think that Fox t- typically has a bigger budget, and that certainly shows in the first pilot. Um, because Fox, I think the most successful sh- show that I've seen from Fox as a, as a drama would be 24. And while I really liked 24 was going on, um, I don't know if Fox is, is a home for a lot of like really serious, dramatic storytelling that's, that stands the test of time. Um, but I have to say, like, you know, any, any concerns I had about that uh, were sort of, you know, they, they kind of went away as I was watching this this uh, this, this first episode. So I mean, it, it's it, it feels right that it's that it's on Fox specifically, not CW. Which which CW, as much as I like the shows that I've, that I've watched on there, does feel like it has a sort of a smaller room to do present their shows with. Well, CW, it's it's sort of got to be team dramas, uh, mm-hmm. teen, not team. I think um, they moved away from that a little bit, though. I think, yeah, but I mean, even get looking at like I Zombie, I I feel like that that's probably the perfect place for the CW, though I wonder how long that's going to last. And I mean, they do have supernatural elements, but I think Fox really has a place uh, for darker and more adult supernatural things. Uh, You have Sleepy Hollow, you have The Following. Um, Of course, Bones is a long-running, but that's got some comedic elements in there. So I feel like it it is a good good spot um, where they've got it, that particular network. You're watching Fox. Okay. So, before um, we get into the actual episode, I will warn people that here there be spoilers, so if you don't want to be spoiled, turn this off now. If you want to be spoiled, then keep listening. If you've already seen the episode, you won't be spoiled. You're just going to be hearing stuff you already know. Fans of Thomas and Martha Wayne, you might not want to watch this episode. Yeah, spoiler alerts, you know, if you're watching the show to see a drama about Thomas and Martha Wayne living happily ever after, oh boy, are you in for a shock, or should I say shots? Um, which is how we start off, with the iconic murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne, only this time it's witnessed by an unseen, uh, youthful Selena Kyle. Mm-hmm. The Wayne murder case is taken over by the rookie do-gooder cop, James Gordon, and his jaded, dirty cop partner, Harvey Bullock. Bullock has a suspicious conversation with crime boss Fish Mooney, and soon the cops have found the murderer of the Waynes, who is the father of a redhead named Ivy Pepper, The suspect is killed and the case is declared closed, much to the celebration of the police department, but fellow officers Renee Montoya and Christmas Allen are tipped off by Mooney's lackey, Oswald Cobblepot, that it's a frame-up. Montoya then tells Gordon's fiancée, Barbara, who may be something to Montoya as well. Gordon finds out and investigates on his own. Soon he's in over his head and Harvey has to pull his butt out of the fire. And in the end, Gordon finds out that things run far deeper than he imagined as there's a struggle for power between Fish Mooney and uh, another crime boss named Carmine Falcone, a name that will be familiar to some uh, Batman readers. Gordon has to pretend to kill Cobblepot in in order to appease the crime bosses and Bullock but he vows to Bruce that he'll find the real killer of his parents. Now, now that you've seen the pilots, what are your expectations of the show going forward? Um, I'll, I'll start this time. I was very impressed. Very, very impressed. I mean, I mean, whatever expectations I had going in, I guess, I, I, guess I, I went in thinking that this wasn't going to be the worst thing in the world, and I came away thinking that was surprisingly, like, excellent. I was, I was, I was very happy with this episode. Um, I thought that it was intense when it needed to be. I thought that it felt like a cop drama, but it still felt like uh, it was in Gotham City. It, it didn't feel like you could confuse it with any other like uh, cop show. It felt like it was in its own. It was its own thing while still having the elements that the story needed to have. Um, I enjoyed seeing a lot of the characters I recognized, like uh, not only Montoya but Chris. Oh, yeah. That was kind of cool. 
I li- I liked how intricate the plot was. Where like uh, they um you know they think they have the murder to solve and they don't, and there's a bit of conspiracy, and there's obviously a conspiracy because because everyone knows uh, that Joe Chill is not high poison Ivy's father. Well, like, unlike, I don't think this is the only time where, like, uh, the identity, like, when Bruce sees his, his parents kill or kill his parents, the guy's masked. I don't, I don't know if that's ever been done before. So th- that kind of you know, makes it a mystery. And um, just generally, I was impressed with the presentation of the, the premise. Like, you know, it doesn't just stop at, like, you know, Gordon's in town, the Waynes are dead, here's your series. It's like, you know, this is a this is a storyline which will not only set up the show, but set up these characters towards, you know, the remainders of their lives, which I thought was uh, expertly done. I was, I was, I was very impressed, as I'll say for the tenth time. Um, I was, I was also very impressed. I don't know if I was as impressed as uh, Don over there uh, in, in whatever world he's in. And <laughs> um, the the reason why is I feel like they threw all the characters at us. Whereas I could have been very happy to see just our main cop-focused people, Fish Mooney and probably uh, pre-Penguin Penguin, Oswald. I do understand, like, the Ivy. I mean, yeah, Ivy was just a little snippet, but, you know, they're already getting, you know, their feet in there. Riddler, did Riddler pop up? I can't no. Yeah, that's what I thought. And, you know, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. And we got the Joker. Just a little bit. Because he was lending some stuff in there. Oh yeah, yep. We did get a bit of the Joker, and then yeah, yeah, he was the comedian. comedian. Who, who watches Penguin? You know, get like yeah, yeah that was him. Did they say no? Say it, like Jack it, or something? It was yeah. I legitimately didn't didn't think that was, was going to be him. And then Selena, right? And. Now I re- I very much understand why they did the the Selena and and they already are so sewing I think a relationship between Selena and Bruce or at least I hope so. Stalker. Well, I, I think that I think it's more than that though because she witnessed all of this and I feel like it's more curiosity and also checking up on him and, and some sort of like interest of you know who is this guy and and how is he dealing with his parents and and I think he's similar to her now because Maybe she's make like. Helena. Anyway, I think that she's also in in a similar place where she doesn't really have anyone, and and he may be on the opposite side of the train tracks, but he also is alone. But I mean, that's look at all of those people that they threw in there, and I feel like it was almost like I'm going to throw in all these worms, and hopefully the TV watchers who are the fish are going to bite on one of these and really find interest. Um, so that that was my only qualm. I feel like it was a little forceful the way they introduced. Jim Gordon, this huge guy is, you know, roughing up the place, and then Jim Gordon's like, hey, 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 he's the hero, he beats him up, but oddly, he can't catch an overweight guy who can suddenly do um, parkour, and he gets beat up a little bit, so how does he beat (laughs) up a guy that's huge, like wrestler big, he almost looked like Steve Austin, but then he, he... I mean, he has to get saved by his partner, Bullock. So that was just like, we're going to really portray Jim Gordon as this hero and this great guy, and this is what happened. So I, I think it was just a little too forceful, and I would have liked to have been edged in and, and enjoyed that character because I, I really like Jim Gordon, and I, I think it's he's one of the, the great cop characters in comics, and I think 
um, overall, like, his portrayal was great, but just, like, introductions, I think that was just, so, I, I just felt like they, they were forcing their hand, but I enjoyed it, I enjoyed it, I, normally I give two episodes of the series to, to give it a shot, you know, if I don't like it by the second episode, then it's kind of done, but I feel like I'm already hooked and, and, and I'm invested to see everything, and I really, I think the standout almost was either Bullock or Oswald, Cobblepot. I'm actually really interested to see his journey. I thought that he was great. But, yeah, definitely, you know, two thumbs up. Just, you know, not as excited as uh, as Don was. Well, can I just say that, like, uh, I would agree with you that, like, in terms of some of the characters, it was a little uh, too much candy, for lack of a better phrase. Like, I don't think we needed to have uh, Poison Ivy, for lack of a you know, basically Poison Ivy, or really the Riddler in the show. Um, I really liked the guy who played the Riddler. I liked his performance. I liked the fact that uh, really early on they say, you need professional help, and I'm not even kidding. But it, it, it really did not need to be there. And I think that, like, in that respect, with those characters, the uh, kind of went on my mind. There was probably a bit more of, like, overcompensating. Um, I don't really agree with anything else you said, but like, it was something we can, we can talk about as we go through well, the episode. It, one of the things that was annoying about Smallville was the way that they would handle, like, some of the Easter eggs where, you know, characters would be like, you know, boy, this is sure foreshadowing something. Like, you know, you sure are an Aquaman, Arthur, you know? Or like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say that, but, like, they would always say, like, I can't wait till we form our own league. Like, there was always variations of, you know, let's go Here's the thing, and this is this is like a character trait of yours, Josh. And whoever, <laughs> if you have known Josh since I've known him, almost I think perhaps a little after, but you have complained about that very same thing. And in any yes, case, I that have. Pops up. Yes, yes, I have. One, you <laughs> there is no reason in Batgirl Year One for Black Canary oh, to say, yes. "Let's not make our team up yes. a regular thing." Why? That was years ago. Why? Why can't you accept that? Like that could be exciting for people. Like that's. I'm gonna different. have to put like, this in yes. the blooper because this is a big tan, or I don't know. No, it is not. This is complete. Well, you know, we're arguing about Batgirl Year One. <laughs> no, but it's completely relevant because okay. you complain about these little Easter eggs that people get. That's not a little Easter egg. That's saying, you know, Barbara, let's not team up on a regular. Wait, 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 wait. I'm stopping. I'm stopping. I'm stopping. I'm stopping. I would say that, like, uh, it's it's perfectly uh, all right to call the call those Easter eggs out and just to call somebody out, out and say, you know, it's not that big of a deal. You probably shouldn't talk about Black Canary and Birds of Prey and Barbara <laughs> Gordon right now. Um, in Batgirl Year One. But it, it, there's obnoxious ways of doing it, and there's uh, others. But anyway, um, I kind of have a little bit of an opposite view of you guys when it comes to, you know, too many characters. You know, and it's, it's funny, because Stella was talking about she gives a show, like, two episodes. I've tried to watch the pilot of Downton Abbey twice, and, like, I can't get through it. And one reason is because there is so many characters and relationships coming at you. But in this one, I was like, I wanted to see more of people like Sarah Essen. I wanted to know, like, you know, what the deal was with Barbara Keane. Um, yeah. you know, but, but both of Gordon's honeys, his Betty and Veronica, I don't know if they're going to go the love triangle route with this show or not. And if they don't, that's fine. But, you know, I really love the character of Sarah Essen. And, um, you know, we, she's not even named from what I remember in here. Like, we see Bullock talk to her and he gets mad because she won't, you know, split up the Gordon-Bullock um, partnership. And we don't really know much about, you know, Barbara Keene or her relationship with Gordon at this point, which I'm assuming will be explored later. And um, 
which was, I, I don't really have, you know, like a particular question about this, but I will say one thing that bothered me was, um, you know, in Batman Year One and a lot of instances of Gordon's life, you see him, he's in like rundown apartments with his wife. Here, like, she's got an apartment, like, you know, from, uh, from the sitcom Friends. Yeah, I did not like that at all. And I kind of, I wasn't really a big fan of Barbara, uh, who is it? Barbara Keane in this episode. Because it seemed like a lot of this, uh, evokes Batman Year One and like kind of the world that was in the characters that lived in that world. And that was a big kind of disconnect for me. And I'm not saying I need everything to be like that Frank Miller story. But to have her live in this, like, high-rise, like, you know, Val Kilmer sort of, like, apartment. And, like, it kind of seems like there's no, there's nothing that she needs to worry about living in Gotham. And that kind of She's really struck yeah, I mean, like, when you consider, like, you know, how homely and, and you know, humanized that the character that I recognize uh, in Batman Year One was, it's sort of like, this is a change which I don't, I don't see any logical uh, benefits from. And, you know, it seems like the, the, the sort of drama they'll play with her is romance, which is also cheesy. So I wasn't really a big fan of Barbara. Uh, I keep wanting to say <laughs> I know, Barbara, you know. Uh, when she was on I Dream of Jeannie, I was so ticked off. I, I, I wasn't really a big fan of that character uh, out of this episode, but, you know, that's not really enough to make me, uh, you know, stop watching it necessarily. But regarding, you know, the living status of the Gordons, um, if you have to cite comics, there is, um, I saw, I read a few Golden Age stories where you see Gordon's home life, and um, in the, before Batman Year One, he's living in, like, a big mansion and had his own personal manservant, too, so there is precedence, but I don't think that we're basing this off of the world's finest story where Batman and Commissioner Gordon have to switch places for 24 hours. Okay, yeah, so I'm, wh- I'm, I'm a little oh, sad that they're not down to earth. I think Barbara Keene, take it or leave it. Um, I, I didn't really feel much romance or heat in that moment. <laughs> Wait, didn't you turn to me and say, I wonder if they be Barbara? Didn't you do that, Josh? <laughs> I did, yeah. They're, they're just like, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I didn't <laughs> the origin really, I of Barbara. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I watched it on screen in a non-voyeuristic way. I wish kind of we could have just focused on him by himself instead of him already in a partnership and perhaps, like, delve into Barbara Keene later on and and have that relationship unfold. But we already have the status quo, and it does seem like you've taken almost like a farmer and put him in this, like, very rich setting because he's such a – uh, what what did Sarah Palin call them? Like uh, the Joe Joe something? Joe the plumber. Joe. What? Joe the plumber. Oh, okay. But or, he, you or, know, or, he, no, he, he might was, of something else. I don't know. I thought it was something else, but like a regular. No, we're, we're on the Romney election, or not Romney? <laughs> now, where where am I going? Oh, oh, oh! I would have preferred to see just Jim Gordon in a regular setting, and and. So we could relate more to him because I, I think he's more salt to the earth rather than what he's doing right now. And like I said, I, I think it'd be better to have a slow burn with a romance if we have to have it instead of already being in a full blown romance. I was more interested by the romance, whatever past romance there was between Renee Montoya and Barbara Keene. That was actually more interesting to me. I- Actually, yeah, that was a question that I had further on down our itinerary. Well, I'm sorry. Well, no, no, I was going to say, I was actually going to say before Don said it, like, since we're talking about it now, let's ask, um, what's the deal with that? Bleeding Cool, when they um, reviewed the pilot, they said that they got a very Orange is the New Black vibe from it. Stella, having just recently watched the show, do you agree with that? 
Well, oh, well, I guess are, are, are I can Are they see, Piper and Alex? Yeah, I guess I can kind of see how, just because it, it is a logical statement, just because Piper, when she first saw her, was very turned off and almost hateful, uh, you know, towards her. I don't think that Barbara Keene was hateful towards Renee Montoya, but she also, she, you could really tell she wanted to make certain that that part of her life was over and that she had moved on but and i think she engaged to someone else yeah but i think she she did it in such a way that was so forceful that you can tell that there are residual feelings so i think that it's going to be something that can be developed i think it's a little too much to say it's orange in the new black i i i think it's easy to make that comparison now that that is such a hit tv show and let's try to yeah, well, yeah, just because say, someone's a lesbian couple, it's automatically orange as the new black. The, the only other parallel I could see aside from lesbians is the fact that um, Barbara's engaged to somebody else when she runs into her ex, just like um, um, Piper is. But mm-hmm. you know, I mean, no, nobody threw their pie at Barbara Kane. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm interested. Actually, I just want to know like the history of it, just like Dustin, the history, and. I think that's where um, we can either become attached and become interested in it, or just be like, "Well, I'm I'm glad that's over." But right now, it's it's almost a disastrous relationship because Renee Montoya uses that to to find her own information, and then she sows some seeds of distrust between Barbara and Jim. So right now, it's almost made Renee out to be um, a bad guy in the show, and I think in her two scenes, like you really get that sense that. Maybe we're not going to like her, which is unfortunate because Renee Montoya is an awesome character, so I hope that turns around. But I do have to say that I'm interested to know what is the history between this this past romance. She she seems to be on the side yeah. of the good, though. Like, her intentions are good. She legitimately thinks that, like, Jim Gordon, that Jim Gordon's, you know, framing innocent people. Well, yeah, it, it, it definitely seemed like uh, playing against Bullock and Gordon that her and Christmas Allen were, there may be rivals in the police department, but... And because she's also, like, you know, just by technically speaking, a, a romantic rival for Barbara Keene's affections, um, it's kind of weird. Do you uh, think Jim knows? I mean, I don't... No. I don't know. I've not thought about yeah. that. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I, and it's, it's no big... It's not, like, really the gay thing. It's just that, like... It, it's interesting. It's interesting to explore because Barbara Keene, despite her many versions... Oh, my God. It's such a blank slate of a character. Indeed. Uh... But, like, I mean, like, cause it's, so it's not like you say, like, well, you can't do that. Because, like, I mean, obviously, Montoya is gay, so you can do that in some respects. But, like, it's and it's weird because and it's also something I wanted to bring up, the fact that, like, Gordon is subser- not subservient, but, like, every other cop character in this series, in the comics, have all, like, served under him. Whereas this series, like, he's the new guy. So it automatically makes everything different. And um, that being another thing that, like, you know, not, not only which you have to get to, GCPD first, but she also oh, first. Renee did. What if she's the father it's of Barbara a... Gordon? <laughs> the tweets. Um, it, 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 part of me, part of me gets a bit confused trying to keep up with that kind of stuff because it is so different. But because it's the first episode, I'm sure we'll have a lot more time to explore that. And um, like I said, I'm not really impressed with like them having Barbara's Barbara's plotline being like you know, can she maintain her uh, engagement with Gordon? You know, with, while still you know keeping Renee at bay and then maintaining her high rise <laughs> apartment. Like, it kind of like, makes me like, kind of rolls my eyes. But like again, it's the first episode, so I can't, I, I can't, make, I can't make a call on it uh, as of now. Just my feeling. Uh, I like what you said about you know Montoya and her butting heads with Gordon. It's interesting that like you know they are both coming from 
a noble place. They're both trying to do the right thing, but unfortunately, they're just not on the same page, and, you know, there's some resentment towards each other. And I, I do kind of like that, because I don't want the Gotham City Police Department in this show to be um, the Power Rangers or the Planeteers, where everyone's always buddies with each other. I want them to have these, you know, complex relationships where um, not everyone is happy with each other and not everyone works with each other really well. So um, sometimes they work apart to do the same goal. So in a sense, I'm looking forward to that. Anything more on um, Barbara Keen before we move on? It's more than enough, quite frankly. Yeah, she, she didn't get that much screen time in the show. No, but I think from the little amount of screen time, there's a lot to delve into. So yeah. I, I, I think it's good to, to piece those things apart. Do I really don't think that, uh, just before you move on, I really don't think Jim Gordon knows about her previous relationship because of the way she felt. Um, you could almost see that she felt cornered when she appeared. She was very nervous as if Jim Gordon would appear again, saying, you know, I'm, I'm engaged. I, I don't think he has any knowledge of their previous uh, history. Well, and when he um, confronted her, you know, he was like, you know, why is Renee Montoya talking to you? He exactly. didn't see yeah. You know, and, and you could yeah. play that both ways. Like, why is she talking to you? You know, it's supposed to be over. But it seemed more of an ignorance thing than more of an angry thing. It's more of like, like, you know, like, like did she tell you that I uh, faked evidence or whatever? Yeah. For a member. Now, what do we think about Ivy Pepper? Well, they, I know they, they did an explanation for why it wasn't Poison Ivy, but I, or uh, uh, Pamela Isley, but I forget what it was. I don't uh, the character so, or the name changed. I mean, what's the thing about the character? She was, a you know, a little girl, but... Well, again, like you know, like her, the character in the in, in the context of the story is like, well, she is the daughter of the guy who people think killed the Waynes, and then you know he was sort of a, a patsy for that. And oh, she has red hair and plays the pants. That's that's a, that in itself is a nice Easter egg. I mean, I would be surprised if she ever appears again. And I think that it might be a little bit contrived if she does appear again, but. I mean, like, are we, are, <laughs> I know the trailers are, like, you know, before Poison Ivy, are we, are we really going to play with this idea that, like, eight-year-old Poison Ivy is, like, you know, this maniacal character, like, like from first grade? It's like, that's not really realistic, but, it, I mean, as a cameo, it was, it was, okay, it was nice, but, like, it's not, honestly, that's, I hope that, like, that sort of thing is more, it's just really fan service that doesn't really have a place in this time of show, because I don't think it really does have a place in this kind of show. Did you say mm-hmm. it really doesn't have a place? I don't think that, like, the character has a Can place. Can you explain kind of why? Um, well, I mean, do you think that, like, well, what do you think? Do you think that, like, Pamela, Pamela Isley can really interact with any of these characters? And well, be she can't the because there's no Pamela Isley on the show. She's Ivy <laughs> Pepper. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was Poison Ivy, the, the, the supervillainess at age eight or whatever her name is. I, I'm glad that she's a child because, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have adult Penguin, adult Joker, and, like, it's it's just going to adult Riddler. So it's yeah. going to be ridiculous in that, like, we have a young Bruce Wayne show, and all of the people who he's going to fight as an adult are already, you know, into adulthood, so... I don't like the idea of his whole rogues gallery being the same age. All the women are the same age as <laughs> I think Catwoman, Poison Ivy. I think of of all the characters they've introduced, that one's probably going to be the least developed right now. And I feel like the one that, yes, we brought her in the first one, but we're not going to use her so much right now. If she would interact with anyone, I'd love to see her interact with Selena. But I don't really know. Ooh, Gotham and, Girls. Well, that's what I'm thinking. And the fact that now she's... 
basically fatherless. Could there be some connection? You know, I mean, her mother seems to be barely holding it together. That could be something that could afford a nice pair of shoes. Uh, basically, yeah. Well, and it seemed like the mother was beat, and now without that domineering presence, I don't know how she's going to um live. I guess on her own, because I think after you take that away, you'd think that they would feel freedom, but I think that it's actually even more difficult without it. So, um, so I, I could see those two coming together, and it just reminds me of the Batman, right? When they introduced Batgirl, they also introduced. Pamela Isley at that point, and they were actually friends, and it was a very interesting dynamic. So I could potentially see that, but you know, the name change. I I wish I knew why they did it. I I, I don't. Maybe try look it up real quick. Um, <laughs> we don't have to look um, it up now. It's, and you know, yeah, I it, I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm, um, just real quick. I, one thing, I, one aspect I did like, and uh, this is sort of like the nerdy Batman aspect. Is that like she wasn't you know, just a normal looking girl? She wasn't like done up and sort of anything, because one sort of, like, consistent trait of Poison Ivy is that, like, uh, Pamela Isley or, you know, whoever Poison Ivy was before she was Poison Ivy was a very normal-looking, homely kind of character, and, and uh, kind of leading off of that, like, a lot of her misandry, her, her hatred of men can stem for the fact that she had an abusive father. I thought that was kind of interesting, so uh, that could be something oh. thrown in there. Let's look up why her name was changed again. I don't want every single character... That, like, you know, they run across in their cases. Like, let's say in episode four, you know, um, uh, Bullock and Gordon, you know, investigate a robbery at a convenience store. And the convenience store clerks, you know, like, I guess sells clocks. And, you know, the store is called the Clock King. Like, it would annoy me if every single episode was that. And, like, every person that we meet is going to grow up to become somebody famous. So I, I'm not sure if Ivy Pep was necessary. And I definitely don't think that the name change was necessary. To me, it just seems like ignorant of the comics mythology, but I, I can't imagine that they didn't know. So the Starling City. <laughs> so, so, so that they, you know, they changed it for a reason, I'm sure. Maybe to not give somebody royalties. Huh, but... There's a reason, and I'm sure people are going to write in, because I remember them saying a reason. I'm just, if I'm we give them any notes. Right um, next question, why do we think Selena was following Bruce? I think I, I went into this a little bit in, in my uh, initial thoughts on the episode, but she witnessed this horrific thing that happened to that kid. Um, and and I think she's been there in, in some capacity, just the fact that she has been without somebody. She's been living on the streets, so she's encountered this, this type of terrible stuff. And to see that happen to somebody else, I think she's very intrigued with this person. And I, I think almost she, she senses a kindred spirit. Um, I, I feel like, you know, two orphans could certainly find some sort of compatibility. And and I almost think in, in like, a supernatural sort of way, you can kind of sense if, if you're meant to almost connect with somebody or, or someone has, like, maybe some sort of side to them that you know that they're, they're going to be great or just that um, they're, they're going to be an adventurous sort of person. And maybe that's me stretching, but I feel like you can sense that there's something special about somebody. And I think in the, scenes that, in the scene, I guess, that we later saw where she's sort of perched on the outside wall, uh, the perimeter wall of of Wayne Manor, you know she. Yeah, well, way way to go, Wayne. You know you just got <laughs> murdered, and and you think we better tighten our security, but no, 
Well, it's not like they got man, uh, murdered at Wayne Manor. I'm sure if you enter the grounds, it'd be worse. But, you know, she knew that. And just watching him and, and trying to figure out who is this kid, how is he dealing with it, and just very intrigued. I, I think she just senses a, a kindred spirit with him. And, and I'm interested to see how this relationship develops. Can I just say that this, this uh, girl who plays uh, Catwoman, why can't I find her name right now, um, looks really, 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 or at least reminds me a lot of Michelle Fe- Batman Returns. I'm sure that wasn't an accident. Her name's Cameron. Yes, Cameron, B- I remember from the press jacket, Bia Kandova, something like that. Um, anyway, I, I, I thought that, like, uh, physically, it, it, she just screams Catwoman, which is pretty cool, because she's obviously a teenager. And um, she was hired, because I know that she uh, is uh, an, a dancer or a, or a ballerina dancer, something like that. Like she, like she, she's very um, athletic, which is pretty cool. Um, I really liked her how she got, she, she was introduced. She opened up the show. We, she's the first character we see. She's kind of looking down the city from like a high, uh, from like a the top of a roof, and we see her you know uh, steal milk from <laughs> from a guy, and I think his watch as well or his wallet maybe. I thought that like she, I don't think she did, she did not have a single line of dialogue, but I thought that yeah, she was a very that was interesting. well a very well uh, presented uh, character. I, I think that all the characters in this in this uh, episode were done very uh, to perfection almost. And I think that, like, without even having a line of dialogue, she was really cool. Um, I think that it's interesting that, like, her, you know, she that her being a witness to the Wayne murder gives – it doesn't tie her necessarily to the – to Batman's origin necessarily, but it does give them sort of like, you know, a uh, connection which wasn't originally there, which – there's always ways to do that which, which can annoy fans – and there's ways to do it which can be, oh, that's interesting. I think that this is sort of like the interesting ways because it's not like she can really reveal anything to him that he didn't know. Unless she happens to know who the, who the killer is. But um, I'm interested to see where that saw that in addition to the nice shoes. He had a nice fedora. Yeah. But um, I, th- I thought that was – I'm not sure where they're going to go for that because it's kind of like Poison Ivy. I'm not sure what she did. How exactly did she influence the plot? I mean, she might do it. She might come up in the season. I, I think it's set up for you know, like plot threads down the road. Like this is something that they're seeding for later. She's not necessarily a part of you know the overarching plot of episode one, but that's you know this is they're giving us a taste of what's coming. You know, whereas with other characters, I was like, you know, gee, I would have liked to have seen you know more of Sarah Essen or this or that. You know, this is. I felt like we saw enough of Selena Kyle that, like, we were curious, you know, and we wanted to learn more, but I don't think that, you know, they they could have had her any more in the pilot, though, without overexposure and bleeding into plots that she had nothing to do with. Well, also, like, the, the adults really drive this story. This isn't a Bruce Wayne story. This is a James Gordon story. Bruce Wayne obviously has the biggest role in, in the story in terms of an overarching, you know, uh, thematic setter, but, like... Her, him, Selena Kyle, to a, to a lesser extent, Ivy Pepper, those sort of like set up the backdrop as to what's going to come later on, which we as fans know about. Jim Gordon and uh, Harvey Bullock drive the story, but uh, like, it would, but I think it, I think it adds to like the impact of the characters without them doing much. The fact that they're even there, even if they are sort of younger and a bit more, uh, um, for lack of a better word, impotent. Well, in terms of, like, which makes me wonder the whole adult thing. I, I've been thinking about this. How is Bruce Wayne going to be a regular on the show? Like. If Gordon and Bullock are, you know, investigating an ice cream store robbery, you know, by a guy named Victor Freeze, uh, how is... <laughs> Can he steal ice cream? <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, he, and, and he has a little glass ballerina in a jar. He's like, oh, I call her Nora. And then winks at the camera. Uh, 
<laughs> I wonder someone who will throw you for a loop. <laughs> uh, but okay, so like if they're if Gordon and Bullock are you know on going on adventures, you know, and and fighting you know the uh, fish moonies putties, you know, how how is Bruce Wayne? <laughs> <laughs> how is second Power Rangers reference of the show? <laughs> how is um, Bruce Wayne gonna like figure into this week to week? Like he's not hanging out at Gotham City Police Department, you know. He's not, you know, um, giving uh, Barbara King judo lessons. You know, what's... Here's what I would do. I mean, is he going to come every... Is Gordon going to visit him every week and say, I still haven't found your parents' killer? He's like playing video games. I don't care about that. <laughs> what? My parents are dead? Here's how I would do it, and I'm not sure if this is going to, going to be how they do it, but, like, I would feature Bruce Wayne heavily in this first season, and by the end of the season, say, well, I'm going, I'm going on a tr- I'm going on a t- or out of the country. I won't be back for a while. I don't know when I'm going to be back. You take care, Gordon. And, like, maybe bring him back in the final season. You know, there's no way of knowing how that's going to play out. But, like, I mean, I don't, I don't think Bruce Wayne can be a, a main character of this show for, for too long of a time. Personally, I, I, don't, I don't see him as like, you know, he needs to be away from Gotham for a long time so he can kind of come back and like influence change or be surprised by how it's changed or whatever. And because Gordon's the main character anyway, I think that Bruce will definitely be, have play a part in the first season, but I don't see him being uh, however role he'll play for the entire series. I don't see how he can be a regular. I mean, I'm sure that they'll figure something out, but... I mean, Stella, how would you write Bruce into future episodes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like this is where we get into Smallville territory, where you 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 have to. I, I think the only way to do it is to really see how is this kid living and how is he growing up without his parents. How is he dealing with this tragedy? And yes, he has a relationship with Jim Gordon. I feel like he's going to check in a couple times and have those great speeches, but you can't do that all the time. Um, I, I wonder if there's going to be more of a, a, a development with the the conspiracy of the crime that got rid of the the Waynes, which I knew once it began, I was like, oh, it's a conspiracy one. It's not just the regular straightforward one. And then Alfred. I think, you know, we've seen images come out recently just of, of Alfred being with Bruce, and, and he has a lot to teach him. And perhaps, you know, we can get to know Alfred and his history, and then how is he imparting his wisdom to Bruce. But I agree that he's not – I don't think we consider – we can consider him a series regular – I think I'd be fine going a couple of episodes without seeing him because it's got to be fits and starts. He, he, there's not going to be this continuous journey because are we? You even asked this in the interview. You now are we going to see him go to school and and things like that? And, and that's not really what the audience wants to see. I think that if we do see any sort of training, either physically or intellectually. Um, it's going to be in a normalized setting, but it's going to be building towards something. It, it'll be, you know, little little snippets, I think, and and that you can see how this is going to impact him as Batman, but I I don't think we can, uh, I, I, I don't, I'd be very shocked if I saw this, this young child every season, and, um, but, I, but at the same time, I don't know if they can ship him off and say, you know, he's going to Nanda Parbat for five seasons and he'll be back, so. I think, I think they could. We get a spinoff um, of his wacky roommates at Gotham Academy. Well, I mean, like, uh, uh, oh, that Matt Hagen—he's always playing in the dirt, getting clay on his face. <laughs> Don't you think so, Harvey Dent? Hey, why are you holding that quarter? Sometimes I want to hurt you. 
<laughs> well, I mean, um, I was going to say that, like, you mentioned Alfred, who we, we really didn't get too much of, but I liked him for his first appearance, like, you know, I'm the butler and all that stuff. Um, Doctor Who fans, he, uh, the actor who plays Alfred, Sean Pertwee, is the son of uh, John Pertwee, who was the third Doctor, which is kind of cool. He looks exactly like him, too. Um, but they, I know that, like, they're kind of playing him a bit more of a sort of like, you know, temperamental nanny, at least in this first episode, because like the first time we, the second time we see him, Bruce is like, um, <laughs> brooding on top of the, on top of the house, and when uh, Gordon shows up, he's like, hey, you might want to check out Bruce, he's about to kill himself, and, uh, he says, I get your bloody ass down here, kind of like, and I'm very like, I'm not seeing Alfred that like, angry, uh, <laughs> towards young Bruce, but I thought that was kind of an interesting, um, it reminded uh, me of the beginning of Bites End. <laughs> a little bit, well he didn't quit right there, but, um, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know, actually. But, um, yeah, I'm not, I, re- I really don't think that, like, I don't think this show would, would succeed with Bruce being there, like, like all the time. Unless they I find mean, a reason, which maybe they might. I mean, we've only seen it. Well, really, I mean, I don't see any reason why, like, I can't, at the end, after, at the end of the first season, he doesn't just leave the country or leave, leave Gotham and go travel. With money and, train, so. and ratings. Well, I mean, do you think, I mean, as good as, as as an actor as David Mazzaz is, and he really, I really thought he did a great job as young Bruce. I really did. But I don't think that, like, that's the main draw of the show. Uh, it's, it's a central draw, but I think that, like, it's it's sort of like in Smallville, like, eventually you're, you're waiting to see Clark put on the costume. You don't, want, you don't want to be there watching episode to episode, week to week, seeing when is Bruce going to go travel to become Batman, you know? But this is a, its own continuity, and just like in Smallville, you know, like, Clark, you know, met most of his rogues gallery and most of his super friends before putting on the costume. You know, you know that's true. But I don't think that, I don't, I don't. I think that most people would agree that like they wouldn't. Pref- they, they, they kind of like copped out by the end of the series where he basically met every Superman character. I, I don't think people would agree that, that was the best way to go about things. Him meeting Jimmy Olsen and Perry White before he becomes Superman. He didn't meet Jimmy Olsen. He met Jimmy Olsen's older brother. <laughs> There's going to be so much. We, we got to like rein ourselves in with the Smallville talk because it's a very easy comparison to make. But it's just going to be. And I like Smallville. There's a lot of Smallville. Later. You know what I mean, though. I mean, like you know, they could do the whole like you know, ha, ah, he meets. Oh, I don't know. um... There's other character that he doesn't meet till he's Batman. Like that, I would not, I would not suggest for them to do that just because it's been done poorly in another show before. You know what I mean? He meets Tim Drake, and Tim Drake's older than him. <laughs> no, that's when I stopped watching and quit the podcast. <laughs> no. Um, now, another question: Can Gordon keep his promise? Um, he made a vow that the murderer Bruce's no. mother would be found. Okay. As, as, as well as father, um, he's a good cop, and um, I, I don't really think that like I'm not I'm not one of those guys who likes the the Wayne murders to be a big mystery. Well, okay, that's not true. Um, I don't I don't like the whole Lou Mox and Joe Chill conspiracy theory, which is why because that is a thing they'll probably eat for him to figure out. I don't I don't need to be this big like you know Illuminati sort of thing where like it takes some years to figure out. Cause I think that's also kind of lame. So um, I think that'll be a driving force, but I think the main story that Gotham has to present us with is the corruption in the police force and the criminal element, more so than, like, you know, uh, the mystery of who killed Thomas Martha Wayne. Like, I mean, that's that's obviously a hook, but, like, I don't think that they'll carry the show uh, its entire plot point. I'm wondering if maybe it'll be, like, the story arc for this season and the season finale, you know, maybe we'll see Joe Chill or something. Um, I'm hoping that they don't go to Lou Moxon route, but, like, I'm not completely against it, like, because... That type of thing could work for this type of show. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it if it's not, I'm fine with it for this show. Yeah, definitely. If it's not as ridiculous as like Thomas Wayne, you know, wearing a Batman costume to a masquerade party, you know, and uh, it would work. For, it would work for this show, yes. but um, I am wondering, you know, like when he says, you know, I'll find the killer of your parents. It seems like you know the never-ending quest to you know save you know the, the princess or something like that. Like, is this you know is this something that we're going to see resolved in the show? And if so, like. You know, will it be this season? What do you think about that, Stella? Yeah, I I, I take him at his word. Uh, I think Jim Gordon, and we even see how dedicated he is to this in that in that first episode, and and he could have let it go and just you know potentially let Bruce go on believing and and try to feel some resolve that you know he had been found, but he felt in his heart that obviously he hadn't caught him and he needed to, to own up and, and tell the truth to the the boy. And I think that just shows what kind of character Jim Gordon is. And I feel like that's a season-ender sort of thing, and there'll be bits of pieces potentially that he, he works in and, and investigates as the series goes along. I feel like that's the bigger arc that we're going to see, all that conspiracy and... and how did the Waynes get in this sort of situation in the first place? And then in between, you know, you've got your your smaller cases and everything. But I, I do really think that it'll be solved uh, by the end of the season. And I think the very, uh, the most important relationship of the show, actually, you know, what's going to be the focal point is the, the bromance between Harvey Bullock and James Gordon. And um, one thing I liked about this pilot is, you know, we have some stuff seated because, you know, each of them is kind of playing the other. You know, Gordon wants to pull Bullock into the light side. Bullock wants to pull Gordon into the dark side. And, um, you know, Gordon basically, you know, lied and pretended to murder Cobblepot to appease Bullock. But that's something that, you know, um, when Cobblepot eventually turns up alive, um, you know, which I'm assuming will happen in the show since he's a regular and, you know, we saw him crawl out of the um, water, it's it's going to reflect on Bullock. It's going to cause some tension between them. And, of course, Bullock has people who he has to make happy, like Falcone and uh, and Fish, who are going to be like, I thought your guy took care of this. And, you know, he might potentially have to, you know, choose to turn on Gordon or go against his friends. But, you know, what, what do we think about this Bullock-Gordon relationship? And, I mean, I was going to ask something corny, you know, like, you know, will Gordon be able to pull Bullock from the dark side? But it's obvious that that's what's going to happen because this is a prequel show, you know, but you never ask. Yeah. Uh, um, wh- actually, uh, Stella, you go first. Let me first say about Donald Logue that uh, tremendous actor, tremendous actor. And uh, Don talked about his, his stint on Law and & Order, and he was on Sons of Anarchy for a season. And he was... Actually, a character very similar to Bullock, where he's a, a forcibly retired uh, U.S. Marshal. And he, in a way, like, he knows what's right and wrong, and he has this idea of this needs to happen. But to get there, I'm going to, like, do some shady things. Uh, and he, so he's sort of a villain, because even though the Sons of Anarchy are bad guys too but there are protagonists so in a way you got this where I feel like in the at the end of the day I think Bullock knows what's right and wrong but he also knows he's got to play the city 
and the city is a big character and just everything that goes on. And so I think he knows you got to stay alive. You got to play with the, with the big dogs in order to survive. So if I got to let this crime go in order to work on a bigger one or in order to keep doing my job, then I'm going to have to do that. Uh, which is very, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's pretty interesting. I think we see some characters like that, uh, but I feel like, I don't know, it, it seems, it feels different to me. It feels different than, than other characters like that we've seen. Right now, Harvey is having a fantastic run in Detective Comics. I'm loving it. Uh, Francis Manipool, Brian Bucciolato are just bringing awesome stuff to this character, and I think now is just a great time to have a Harvey Bullock out there in the media, and I think we're seeing him, you know, in a different light than detective comics right now, but it's just great that we're not seeing him as this bumbling guy that's actually a second to Jim Gordon, but he's a mentor to Jim Gordon, and so I I think it's going to be interesting to see how is he influencing Jim Gordon, which you you sort of see it, Um, you know, is Jim Gordon going to break at all, or is he just going to like keep pushing forward? Which you see in that first episode that he's given him this ultimatum, but Jim Gordon's able to to be his his good self and that and so bad for Cobblepox. Yeah, I know, and, and get you know he's able to get past that. But how also is is Jim Gordon going to influence Bullock? And I I just love their I, I feel like those two actors go really well together, and I'm looking forward to to seeing how they work cases and how everything uh, develops because it's not a friendly interaction that they have between you know I, I feel like there's a dislike between the two of them, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I think that it's just great. It, it fuels a lot of drama, and and I think it's going to be interesting to just see how it develops. So I, I'm I'm super excited for the Bull character. I was wondering, like in the episode when Jim Gordon's hanging up in the meat locker, and Bullock comes in. Before I realized that Bullock was there to get him out, I thought that like Bullock was behind this for a second. My thought was, well. No matter what they do with this character now, he's always going to be the guy that tried to kill Jim Gordon in the pilot for me. I don't know if he's redeemable. And that thought went away, you know, as the scene progressed and I realized what was going on. But then you ask yourself, you know, is Bullock redeemable for you? Because, you know, he he framed this, you know, I don't want to say innocent guy because it looks like Poison Ivy's dad, you know, was up to no good in other ways anyway. But, I mean, he's involved with the crime bosses. You know, he's he's probably covered up some things, and maybe he's even killed innocent. I don't know if he's killed innocent people. It's possible. But, like, you know, are you going to be able to accept that this guy, you know, grows up to become uh, the Harvey Bullock that we Grows know? up. Yeah, grows up, yeah. <laughs> he grows up to become the Harvey Bullock that we know and love. Well, there's always that question. Uh, if I, I remember, um, ironically, uh, a writer uh, or an emailer wrote into my show, uh, referencing the killing joke and asking a question that can, can a character who used to be a supervillain or, or a character who wasn't always on the side of angels be redeemable? And I eventually kind of came, came to this premise that, like, it kind of calls into question the whole notion of, you know, being redeemable or being irredeemable. If that's, if that's ever a concept, then ideally anybody can be redeemed no matter what, or they can't be redeemed no matter what. And I think that, like, I mean, it's fully within the wheelhouse for Bullock to have done as worse things as you can imagine because he is, you know, a crooked cop in Gotham City. But uh, from what we were given, 
the fact that he did try to save uh, Gordon, a character, a guy that like you know he did admit that he respected, but he probably didn't like too much. I think speaks to like his underlying morality and gives us a lot. It 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 shows his path his path of salvation is a lot shorter than we might imagine at the beginning of the episode. It's like the whole I, I don't know like. Like, when Marvel wanted them to kill Phoenix because they said, you know, well, Jean Grey, you know, killed an entire planet. You can't have her, you know, fighting crime with the X-Men later. And um, uh, Star the Star Wars comic series had their version of What If, which was called Infinities, where, like, at the end of Return of the Jedi, instead of Darth Vader dying, he gets a white costume and fights, you know, the Empire with the Rebels. And it's very bothersome because it's like, <laughs> how can these people fight, you know, with alongside the guy who, like, blew up Alderaan? Like, it's... It's not going to happen, and there's just basically... I think it all depends on how you deal with it. Right, and I'm not saying that Bullock has, you know, blown up Alderaan, but I'm wondering if he's done enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look at Scarlet Witch and everything that happened with M, right? And, um, House of M. And, I mean, it took a long time, so you're talking but about I, don't, I don't get it. Oh, oh, okay. It's a bloody shot. I gotcha. Uh, but I think it, it takes time. I mean, well, Cyclops is there right now, right? With everything that happened with, um, yeah. all that crazy stuff with AVX. Um, and, and people still hate him, but I think they're, they're like getting towards some acceptance. But, for decades. yeah, I mean, I think there's always going to be that part where you will never trust that person again, potentially. But you can, if you are, I don't really want to get into a religious talk on this, but if you are able to, because it's divisive, um, (laughs) and I don't, this is our first episode, do I want to, you know, people are like already clicking, uh, whatever, desubscribe, um, just, uh, you know, you'd be hopeful that you'd be able to, to potentially forgive that person, you know. Right. Well, and again, we don't know the extent of his criminal activities, but I can only yeah. imagine. And it is worth noting that in the comic, uh, Bullock was a dirty cop, you know, working for the evil mayor to try and um, bring down um, Jim Gordon by, like, uh-huh. his job was basically to drive Gordon insane. And then he succeeded, and Gordon had a heart attack, and he says, oh, shoot, what have I done? And then he basically became the Bullock that, like, we all know and love, that you imagine from, you know, the animated series and everything. Like, he did start out as a villain, yeah. But that's, you know, it's been so long that that's kind of been pushed to the side. And even mm-hmm. then, he wasn't, he had, he had some morals, because he was saying, you know, to, um, like the mayor and stuff, oh, I don't want us to go too far. I don't want to actually hurt Gordon, you know. Oh, this is too, too late. He got beat up in the street. I remember those things. I bring up a good point that there's got to be a catalyst, I think, for this change around. It's either going to be developed and over, it's either going to be, gradual and develop over time that Jim is just a heavy influence on on Bullock or something happens that's really big and turns that character around but I, I just don't see him as be if, if they made him into this terrible human being and like a villain of the show that just like replaces Fish Mooney I'd be very upset I think there's going to be a, a chance to redeem that character and he will be back and I feel like there are already little pieces and glimpses that you can see that there's something good inside of him we can talk about it because I, I think that, like, in the way that Josh mentioned Bullock's uh, Precursor's Origins, I mean, I, th- I would dare say that this might be the closest incarnation to, like, the original Bullock than we've, than we've seen in other versions. I don't, I don't know if he's appeared outside of Batman the Animated Series. But, um, you had not Bullock in Batman 89. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Eckhart, think about the future. 
shoot to kill, if you know what I mean. Um, but, like, I mean, I, I really loved Donald Logue in um, this show. I mean, I think he was my favorite character because, like, the way he played him. Because he's clearly crooked in the in that, like, you know, he doesn't try hard at this job when he push up his shove. I just like the little detail of, like, you know, the idea that the Wayne murder was such a high profile, they did not want to close it because there would be pressure to close it. He's like, oh, I really don't want this. I like the idea that, you know, he's, like, in cahoots with Fish Mahoney. But he's not an out-and-out, like, villain. Like, you don't, you don't see him killing people, you know. Like, I mean, yeah, he wanted, he wanted to uh, uh, kill, have Penguin killed, and he was will- willing to kill Penguin. And then he, he was even ready to kill Gordon if need be. But you see, you see the relationship. I don't know if he was ready to kill Gordon on that bridge. Do you think he would have done it? Well, I, I, well he's, he was just at least telling Gordon, like, this is what I, I'll have to do if this happens. Like, I mean... Well, my point is, like, you know, like, he, he's not one thing or the other. He's a very conflicted, very, like, you know, uh, multifaceted character that probably leans closer to the, the bad side than the good side, but, like, it's not a clear-cut case. And I really like that. I think it's a very brave choice. I think that's, that's a great reason for him to be on the show because it gives Gordon, who I really enjoyed being virtually untarnished this entire episode, a chance to kind of make his way into the GCPD and help it become what it needs to be. Right, you know, because we can we can talk about some things like you know, oh, was was he willing to do this or whatever? How can we box Gore, or how can we box Bullock into this thing so we can make a call on what kind of a person he is? When really, like you know, the whole show, in a sense, can be inferred to being the uh, exploration and development of that. So I loved it. We have Fish Mooney and her wacky Oswald Cobblepot and her comedian unnamed. What a joker he was! And um, and the Big Daddy, uh, Mister Falcone. Yeah, uh, Fish Mooney, as played by uh, the the front woman for Wicked Wisdom, Jada Pinkett Smith, um, who we encountered at San Diego Comic Con in person. Um, Some of us more than others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, um, I, I I remember like she was the one character that I think was created for the show that that's supposed to be sort of an important player in, in the first season. And uh, there's always consternation towards whenever the sh- shows do that, but I think that like, firstly, I was very entertained by the character. I thought she was very well acted, and, like, she she didn't come off as sort of a a, a, a cheesy, over-the-top mob boss, but at the same time, she kind of had that sort of, like, you know, Gotham City wackiness that made her fun to watch. And to have her be sort of, like, you know, the, the head boss that the Penguin has originally started out working with, I thought it was a very interesting way to bring the ping, a character like the Penguin in. So it was, um, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have too much sick because there's only so much things there's only so many ways that you can say I really really enjoyed her and I really she enjoyed sure her she sure was Fish Mahoney she sure was Fish Mooney oh my gosh Fishy <laughs> no but I, I did I did like, like did you guys like her did you think that like she was serviceable or did you think that like she, that kind of character just distracts from like you know the characters that you recognize I, I liked her her baseball bat thing um, which I forget yeah. what it's name was it reminded me of um, uh, Lucille Lucille, I was about to, I was about to, is it Lucille? I was about to, oh, no, I was about to say, no, Lucille from Walking Dead. That's uh, what I thought, yeah. Yeah, I was about to ask Stella, but I was like, oh, I forgot, Stella didn't get that far in the comic, but it it reminded me. No, I knew that, yeah. It reminded me of Lucille from, uh, Walking Dead, but, um, uh, I liked it, I liked, you know, we could see her fiery temper, like, um, I think Mm -hmm. the, the moment for me, you know, that said Fish Mooney, um, in the entire episode was when she's talking to Bullock on the phone, he's like, come on, you gotta let Gordon go. All right. And then she's like, give the phone back to my guy. And then, like, her voice changes. She's like, he disrespected me. Killed him right yeah. now. Like, that was great. <laughs> that, that, was, that was great. 
Yeah, I oh, think that... Oh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, please. Rock, paper, scissors, Stella. No, because no. you were still on a thought, so you continue. Yeah, but my thought was an extension of my earlier thought, and it's gone now. I apologize. It's okay. Um, yeah, I think, but besides uh, pre-Penguin, co- Cobblepot there, um, she's probably my favorite villain right now. I wasn't sure what to make of her, number one. She's not an established character, and I thought... You know, she seems a little, like, over the top, just with the images. I just wasn't sure, but she came out excellent. Um, I, I feel like there's there's no doubt about, you know, her level of evilness there in the show. And just, like, the fear that the, the pre-Joker Joker has when he's on, like, you can feel it. Like, I felt, as, a, as an observer, I felt nervous for him because he knew that if she wasn't laughing, he was probably going to die. And so just waiting for her to laugh at the end of the joke, I just thought she did um, a great job. I think that there's uh, a potential for a great story with her. Um, well, wondering about what's the, with the wig, right? Why she, why she wore a wig? Is there a big story behind that? And also just the fact that she's employed by Carmine, but she's also, like, trying to get out of bed with him, if you, like, if you understand what I mean. Just, like, she wants her own, yeah, she wants her own territory. She wants to be the big bad. And, uh, I, I think that, you know, there are some people that, you see a you see a villain and you wonder how is this villain going to last for a long time? But I can definitely see her lasting for a long time and and just a great performance by uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. I'm sorry, are we are we p- for positive that like that was the Joker, the comedian dude? Yes. Yeah. Or like, like seriously, like we are like like they came out and said that was the Joker. The Joker. <laughs> I'm looking at, I'm looking for that right now. I'm, I'm not seeing that. Because yeah. I mean, like you know, there was no like. I mean, you guys are right. You guys are right. I'm just like, I'm just really surprised that like, I, like this late after I've, I've seen the episode, I still I wouldn't. Have I remember that. hearing like even before the episode aired that like we were going to see the Joker in it. Like I, I actually remember hearing that. I tend to not believe anything I hear, so that that might that might have been a thing. Uh, as a comic book elitist, I tend to stick my nose up when you know TV show properties, you know, introduce new characters that aren't from the comics because there's plenty of good characters in the comics, but with prequel shows. Sometimes it's needed for a little bit of mystery and suspense, because if you have a cliffhanger where it's like, oh, no, is Alfred going to get shot, you know, um, in the mid-season finale? You know, we know that Alfred's going to be alive, because he has to grow up to become Alfred the butler. I, I say grow up metaphorically, you know, obviously. You know, <laughs> this old like, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. we know that, like, these characters are going to be alive, which was, like, one thing about... I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to Star Wars again. Like the Clone Wars TV show, like a lot of the suspense there, like, oh no, are they gonna find out that, you know, Darth Sidious is really, you know, Chancellor Palpatine? Well no they're not, because they don't find it out till Revenge of the Sith. Is Anakin gonna, you know, die? Is Padme gonna die? And it, But one thing about the Clone Wars was people were always saying, What happens to Ahsoka? Because she's not, you know, in these new mm-hmm. movies, so uh-huh. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, Fish is Ahsoka, but, you know, it's that type of character where um, anything goes for her. She can, she doesn't have to, you know, um, quote-unquote, grow up to become anyone in Batman's established canon. She could die, she could live, she could change sides, theoretically, she can betray people, she can she can do a lot of stuff, you know, and um, they're not going to be bound by canon with her. And I think that, you know... Um, comic book properties and prequels need characters like that. You know, you need that Chloe Sullivan or Whitney Fordman or, God forbid, Jason Teague, that supernatural guy. 
Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it's also, you also have characters like um, Harley Quinn, Renee Montoya, sort of canon immigrants who have proven to become popular. Yeah. The other bad guy, Oswald Cobblepot, who's... Um, when, the scenes with him and Fish reminded me of, um, if you've watched the rest of development, the scenes with Buster and his mom. Just the whole, like, oh, give me a foot rub. Oh, you know, you, you've been bad to mommy, haven't you? Like, it, it was creeping me out, but... Um, I'll give it a pass because I think it was meant to creep me out. No, <laughs> I thought he's probably like I think like the most energetic of the cast because like his nose alone kind of kind of sealed his casting. But like uh, he's so crazy looking and so like earnest. Um, you kind of wonder how he how he loses a couple of feet and gains a lot of weight. But like um, I I was really he, the actor was clearly having fun in the role, and because of that I was enjoying seeing him. Like, seeing him, like, you know, enjoy beating the guy to the point where even the other henchmen are like, you know, okay, that's enough, Ozzy. And, like, you know, him kind of being dubious. I mean, it was very much a perfect uh, uh, iteration of a pre-Penguin Penguin. Yeah, I, I think he did an amazing job with the with the character. And, and I think it was, yeah, it was certainly meant to be creepy. Uh, just that was the relationship, right? I, I think... That's going to be interesting to see how he even came into, you know, her service. But she obviously, he was very much a, a servant to her and, and whatever her whims were. And, you know, just that moment where she finds out that someone betrayed her and is alluding to it. And you can just feel just the nervousness and panic. Yeah, it was so just so well done, and um, then of course when he survives, and I do wonder. I was a little bit thrown off when all of a sudden. I mean, he does have like this dangerous and vicious side, but he just like walks up on the beach afterwards and slit that that slits the throat of the fisherman. I was like, oh, that was violent, but I guess that's just him, and uh, it'll. I mean, I don't know how much we're going to see of him, right? Because I guess he could develop his own little crime empire elsewhere across the. Gotham Harbor, but um, maybe he's in Bloodhaven. Mm, maybe I like to pronounce it Bloodhaven. But uh, yeah, well done. <laughs> we are going to be divisive about the Bloodhaven versus Bloodhaven issue. Well, there's a there's a umlaut, there's umlaut. also called a diocese, which means you need to pronounce the vowel as its actual letter. So that'd be Bloodhaven. And there's a thing called um, when I was oh, a give kid. Me a break. I've been calling it Bloodhaven for years, and therefore my brain is not able to readjust and reprogram this late into the game. Well, you know what? Maybe you should make an effort. <laughs> for, for Bloodhaven? Yes. It's important. <laughs> well, we'll find out if, you know, once episode two premieres, you know, he's like, ah, the great Bloodhaven. Or should I say Bloodhaven? I'll never tell. This is normally uh, where we would talk about the synopsis for next week's show or, you know, talk about any trailer that there is for next week's show or teaser, but we don't have that right now because um, even though this episode is going live on the premiere date, we're actually recording this on August 19th, um, and we're going off of the viewing that we did in San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, totally legal. Totally legal, I swear. Um, I'm, I hope that this doesn't leak before the pilot comes out. You know, you guys should all get to experience it firsthand. So, you know, with that, just tune into the next episode of Gotham, and then when you're done, tune into the next episode of the Batman Universe's Gotham Chronicles. Um, Stella, Don, do you guys have any final thoughts? I really enjoy. I was I was 
really pleasantly surprised by this. I really enjoyed it. I hope it maintains the level of interest that has garnered from me. And um, I hope that, like, whatever new embellishments they add to the Batman canon are worthwhile, and I hope the show's a success. I, um, I'll see you guys next time, and I can't wait to see the next episode. Yeah, it certainly it exceeded my expectations. Like I say, you got to keep them low so you're pleasantly surprised rather than disappointed. And I'm just, you know, the characters, I, I've already sort of become invested in them, and I'm just really looking forward to see the relationships develop, you know, between the different characters, and, and that's something that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Um, I'm excited. I'm hoping that this will keep up the momentum, and we will see you all next time. Um, this is Josh. This is Don. And this is Stella. And you've been listening to uh, Gotham Chronicle Podcast. We're on the McCain, you know, Palin election right now. Um, I, uh, I just, um, <laughs> I might have to I, edit that out so we don't get political hate mail. <laughs> Why do you like him? <laughs> yeah, I, I just He's obviously were... the penguin. I, I wouldn't, know. You never saw those memes? <laughs> no, I haven't. I don't want to. Um, oh, yeah, this will be, this will be an easy I'm trying show. to think now. Where, where am I going? Oh, oh, oh. I would, this is, oh. I feel like this is where oh. we get into, sorry, I dropped something. Uh, I feel like this is where we get Your into. Pearls? Oh, my pearls? Um, yes, but luckily, a young whippersnapper named Damien Wayne finds one in a sewer and offers it to Bruce Wayne, um, and says, I'm sorry, it's a very nice bonding moment. That'll be season 20 of Gotham. 20? <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, he, he, he's got to become, like, Batman. Yeah, he's got to have Damien. He's got to... Damien's got to turn 10. <laughs> because I don't deal with five-year timelines. Yeah. Anyway. I just pushed the C button, so... Um, so anyways, he does... The C button. We'd established this in the first part that C is dodge. Okay. And he's attack. God, this? Dodge. It's very effective. Okay. Yeah, you came. Um. <laughs> what do you mean, portals? Let's see here. The question. Oh, okay. Let me first. Now, and we have the bad guys of the show, like um, you know, the organized crime. Uh, we have Fish Mahone or Lacke Oswald Cobble. Ma- is it? I think. Isn't it just Fish Mooney? We have Fish Mooney. It's not so timid. <laughs> I am excited. I, I uh, you know, and I'll, oh, and, and I'll edit this out. I've, uh, I have been working like 13 hour days a lot. <laughs> and it takes a lot out of me. And the kids were little punks today, let me tell you.